Rescuing Lapsed Intellectual Property Welcome to another episode of Cartmel's In Conversation. I'm Lara Elder, a senior associate in the Trademarks team, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Kivi Kathari, who is a barrister and also a senior associate in our transactions team. Hello, Simon. Hi, Lara. Thanks for having me. It's, it's good to have you here. Now, Simon, you, you have uh, very many strings to your bow, but today we're going to focus on your particular expertise in restoring lapsed intellectual property rights. Now, this might sound like a, a pretty niche topic to some of our listeners, but for anyone who finds themselves in a, in a situation where a valuable right has been dropped, it is a pretty crucial one. I think it's, it's fair to say that the stakes are probably highest in the context of patents, um, for, for trademark owners, they may be able to fall back on, on use-based rights. And for owners of registered designs, there may also be unregistered rights in, in a feature of the product that they could rely on. But for patents, there's really nothing to fall back on um, when, when a registration is inadvertently allowed to lapse. And it can result in a potentially a huge loss in revenue for a company. So, Simon, is it possible to rescue someone who finds themselves in this situation? Absolutely. I mean, it's not necessarily the end of the world at all um, if a patent lapses. Um, the, the, the main thing you need to do is act quickly. And if you can um, file restoration requests you know, by the set deadline, which varies from you know, country to country, um, then there are situations where you can actually um, have a positive result and, and you know, kind of basically get success um, from a pretty awful situation because it's a horrible position to find yourself in, especially if you're the individual responsible within the mm. firm or company whose you know, um, action or inaction has resulted in, in an inadvertent lapse like this. It's quite, it's quite a hairy time for people, but it's not the end of the it's world. Terrifying. So, yeah, act quickly. Okay, well, that's, that's a relief. So there is a safety net. Um, I guess the first question to ask then would be, what sort of circumstances do patents typically lapse in? You know, how does this come about in the first place? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, f- first of all, I mean, it's, it's not just patents, it's patent applications as well um, right. that can lapse before they're granted. Um, but the most common um, situation I've found over the years of dealing with this is um, when patents, granted patents lapse because of a failure to, to pay the annuity. You know, as, as everyone knows, um, patents need to be renewed every year. Mm. You know, um, and basically, if you don't pay um, the annuity for a particular year um, within there's normally a tw- you've got to pay every year. There's a six-month grace period if you, so if you miss the main deadline. But if you miss the six-month grace period, then it lapses and then restoration is needed. Right. Um, so that's probably the most common. And another common um, situation where patents lapse is when um, one company is selling a, a portfolio of patents to another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite often, if negotiations are protracted, that's you know, and sometimes they go on for more, you know, quite much more than six months. Um, and everyone's mind is on the deal in question and, and finalizing the deal. And people can forget whose responsibility it was for, was or has become to pay, you know, to pay the annuities for these um, portfolio, for the portfolio of patents. So it's quite, it's, you know, it's quite an easy thing that can fall through the cracks sometimes because everyone's mind is elsewhere. 
And then you know, basically the, the company who's finally purchased this portfolio of patents has realized actually you know, 20 or so of them have lapsed. Um, that's, that's another horrible area. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can well imagine though, you sort of, you're, you're effectively buying, negotiating to buy a portfolio of patents and the, the, the last thing you need to happen is to forget or for someone to forget to renew them. But I could see how that, that could come about. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the difficulties that arises in those situations is you can um, also be involved in a bit of a blame game Mm. Um, between the different parties, uh, you know, if there was a misunderstanding. Um, so it's, you know, he, shed, he said, she said, and that's the last thing you want in this situation. But So that's normally the first thing you need to overcome yeah. and then get your instructions properly and move on. So, I mean, you, you already touched on this by saying the first thing to do is act quickly. But, you know, the scenario, you've got someone quite likely in a panic, realises a patent, a crucial patent has been dropped. What what should that individual do? Well, the first thing is stop panicking. Don't panic. <laughs> um, and basically, if you um, contact your um, IP advisor, whether it's somebody external from your company or somebody you know within your firm who specialises in this area, um, you know, c- contact them. Let them know what's happened. Um, and you know, um, as as you know. Um, patent rights are national rights, and if they've lapsed in different, if the same, that's a European patent has lapsed in several different European countries, um, then you need to kind of fire off emails very, very quickly um, to the local attorneys responsible for the patents in those countries. Let them know what's happened and you know how you know what are the next steps to urgently restore these lapsed rights. So I guess overcome probably an individual's natural tendency to hope it all goes away and not tell anyone because they're embarrassed. And actually, the best thing to do is to 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 just say, look, something's happened. We need to sort it out and, and do that quickly. Yeah. I, I, absolutely, I I, th- I think that's a good a good way of um, you know anybody running their own personal practice anyway. Um, I think whenever I've dealt with trainees over the years, one of the first points I always make if if you think something's gone wrong or hasn't quite gone right right or you've made a mistake, just put your hand up straight away. I um, mean, you, you never ever gain anything by brushing things under the carpet or or hoping things will sort themselves selves out you, you've just got to be open raise your hand and we can we can try and fix it yeah it's it's much easier to fix things if if you know about them quickly so i mean how how difficult is is the restoration process and and does it make a difference you've talked about um different countries having slightly different approaches to this so does it make a difference where the the patent was protected as to how challenging the case might be yeah no that's another very good question um basically it it, it does make a big a very big difference um i think if we use the example of the uk um compared to other countries in europe Mm. Um, in the UK, it's a lot. It's a lot simpler to request restoration. It's not necessarily a slam dunk. You've still got to um, file evidence, and and normally in the form of a declaration, um, but explaining what happened and and why it happened. But in the UK, you just need to show that the lapse was unintentional, and it was always the the patent owner's intention to maintain the patent. So, and and that's normally not that difficult to show. Occasionally, you know. Um, it can be a little bit tricky because basically maybe the um, internal um, decision making within the company has gone slightly awry and some people said, you know, said abandon it, some people didn't. And then you've got to right. figure that out. So, um, but yeah, in the in the UK, all you need to show is unintentionality, whereas in, in most other European countries, in a similar way to the EPO itself, um, you need to show that the lapse occurred in spite of all due care having been exercised um, by, by the patentee and the representatives and anybody else involved. And, and the all due care standards is a very high one to meet. 
Right. So that, that depends on what, what a patent office's view of, of, you know, what should you have done to avoid this situation happening in the first place? And did you do it? And why did, why did you not do it in this instance? No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, the, the trickiest things about showing all due care is, of, you know, you're, you're starting from a very tough position anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Something's already gone wrong. And, 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 and you have to show the patent office that all due care was exercised. So um, it's, it, it's a very tough situation. So you you find yourself in that situation. I mean, how how do you convince the patent office that actually this was a a, a really mad occurrence? What how do you put together a strong argument? What kind of evidence are you going to need for this? Yeah, I, I think if you're um, trying to show that all due care was exercised, um, the the the, ma- the main um, information that needs to be made really really clear um, to the patent office is basically that. The, the lapse happened within an environment of, of all due care. And basically, you have to kind of convince them that um, if it wasn't for some you know, horrible event that happened or something totally unpredicted and unusual, um, then the, the, the system that's in place already, the established system of record keeping, you know, docketing due dates, um, paying any necessary fees, including you know, annuities, renewal fees, that sort of stuff, um, the system that's in place already is so good that in the normal course of events, it, you know, as, as totally as a, as a matter of course on a, on a day-to-day, uh, in a day-to-day manner, everything would have been fine. So, and, and that, that's the first thing you need to show. Right. And then if, if you can also show um, exactly what happened, um, in, in, you know, sometimes it's enough to just say it was an isolated instance. Somebody just, you know, made a mistake because, you know, rest, restoration, you know, is there as a remedy. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, for the simple reason that, you know, like in, in the same way that pencils have erasers at the end, um, they're there for a purpose because people make mistakes sometimes. Yeah, we're, we're all and human, right? <laughs> exactly. So, and, and restoration is there for that purpose. Um, so you don't necessarily need to have some sort of like drastic, dramatic external event, um, but that definitely helps. Mm. Um, but but even in a situation where there was some you know some uh, some sort of let's say some uh, humanitarian disaster or uh, some sort of like geo geophysical disaster like an earthquake or something, yeah. um, even in that situation you still need to say well we we have a, we had a very very good system in place anyway and if that hadn't have happened you know um, everything would have been fine so uh, either way whether something big or small um, resulted you know in the lapse occurring you've still got to go back and show that you had a brilliant system in place anyway in order to prove due care right so that's that's actually a, a key takeaway for for anyone listening is that if if you want to be able to get out of this kind of situation which you know might happen to the best of us you've really got to make sure that you've got checks and triple checks in place have a sort of Rolls Royce system um, because otherwise you've just you've got no starting point to make an application like this. Yeah absolutely I mean if, if you can you know convince the patent office that your system is you know so smooth running and, and so perfect you know under normal circumstances and normally it does as you, you know, just said you know normally it does just per, per and per like a Rolls Royce <laughs> and then, then you're you know you're you're 80% of the way there. So we, we, we've kind of, I suppose it'd be interesting to talk a bit about the human side of this because uh, it, it's an interesting aspect of your job dealing with these kinds of cases. I mean, as you say, so often a patent is dropped, a lapse occurs because of some kind of human error, an individual probably. And I'm, I'm guessing a key aspect of, of your job in 
gathering evidence, etc., is to manage the the human aspect. So, what what kind of challenges does that present? Um, I think the first the first challenge um, that you're presented with is the, the the main person that you need to speak to, um, the, the the records clerk or the attorney involved or whoever it might be um, that was resp- responsible for doing something that they failed to do. Um, that person, you know, the one who has, you know, all the information you need, they're probably the last person in the world that actually wants to speak to you or, or, right. or speak to anybody right now. So, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of overcome that first. And I think the most important thing to um, impart to this particular person is that it, it isn't about blame at all. It's, it's just not. That, that doesn't serve any any particular purpose. Um, and the purpose of this exercise is working together um, to you know, come to some really strong argument and and you know solution um, that we can put for put forth to the patent offices and say you know that this happened and the, the reason was this but we've got this normally very good system um, and and the person who who, who made the error and quite often they're the same person who can really explain how the system is brilliant too so also if you if you get the person on board um, telling them how how brilliant things are normally and then they themselves can get grounded a bit and realize, yeah, actually, this was a one-off situation. Um, I, I think, um, I think in, in a recent article I wrote, I kind of um, this 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 whole human side came to mind. I was um, listening to a Desert Island Discs episode, um, you know, with the author and the, the guest on that particular day was um, Thomas Keneally, the author of um, Schindler's. Arc, which was turned into the film Schindler's List, mm. um, and one of his musical choices on on the desert island was uh, you know the the song we all hear every single Christmas without fail, even if you don't want to, you know Fairy Tale of New York by you know by <laughs> Kirsty McCord and Shane McGowan. It's already um, starting in my head. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I won't sing it because it's full of swear words. I think it's been it's censored now by the BBC. You're not meant to say certain words, are you? So <laughs> That's we, right. we, we, we won't we won't do a rendition at the end of the show. So. Um, but basically, sort of um, in relation in relation to that you know, musical choice of his, um, Thomas Keneally said basically um, the, the that that song can be summarised as basically sort of um, yeah. And he 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 used sort of like um, you know four words basically, um, and they're, they're they're just amazing. So like um, kind of love, alienation, insult, and regret. He said that that those four words sum up those sum up some of that particular song. Um, and as soon as I heard those four words all in one sentence, I thought, oh my God, that's exactly the same sort of situation that, you know, you know, you know when you're dealing with you know, um, lapsed patents and restoration, um, it's, it's exactly the same. Um, yeah, the, the, it's, it's the same situation and, and the same words come to mind. So, you know, in love, basically, you're, you're dealing with someone who's, who's very, very, you know, generally very good at their job, may, mm-hmm. may even love their job. Um, alienation, they've made a mistake. Um, a lot of people feel as if they may, may be, uh, they're being slightly ostracized by their clients or people don't hold them in the same regard that they did before. You know, you're no longer a safe pair of hands. Yeah. Um, insult, I mean, yeah, I mean, they have to deal with someone like me asking probing questions <laughs> about what, what they did on a partic- did or didn't do on a particular day a year ago. So that can be quite insulting in a way. And, 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 and regret, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've, 
but you know, but the, the main thing about regret is you know, they de- they definitely had ha- have regrets, but the point is just convince the person that it doesn't serve any purpose. So yeah, yes, that's the love, old... alienation, insult, insult, and regret. So who would have thought um, that you know Shane McGowan, Fairy Tale of New York, and Pattern Restoration would be involved so closely? I have to say, this is the first time on the podcast I find myself talking about IP and uh, <laughs> and exciting musical hits in the same in the same breath. It's it's a good way of remembering it, though. And I mean, your point about um, regret and the sort of I guess it's the hindsight thing, isn't it? It's oh, I wish. Why did I do this? Or I wish I'd d- normally I would have done it differently. And you've got to kind of tease out the reason why it went wrong this time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you've you've really hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the whole um, the whole thing about sort of like you know twenty twenty hindsight. Yeah, it's you know fine. It, it, it isn't it wonderful, but it's completely useless, and and it just leads you kind of um down in, in a negative alley, really, doesn't it? And and there's you know that, that's not where we want to be. We want to be in a positive area where we can fix things. I can see it's it's a tricky thing to to accomplish on on your part. I mean, you're sort of part inquisitor, part therapist in this role, trying to trying to draw out information from the person, the last person who wants to speak to you, as you say. Yeah, but I think once you once you once you get the person's trust um, and get them on your side, and as I said earlier on, let them know it's not about blame, mm. um, then you can move forward and and you can start, um, you know, getting all the evidence you need. Um, yeah, you know what actually went wrong on this occasion, and also as as we, we touched on earlier on, um, all the evidence of the very good system that's in place yeah. in order to show due care. So, um, and and that that will basically comprise you know, screenshots of the record system that they've got, and relevant email instructions from the client showing that the the you know, the, the, the the renewal payment definitely should be made, mm-hmm. and all sorts of sort of um, you know, various printouts and yeah, and and kind of even things like then. SOP documents, standard operating procedure documents, where you know where can records clerks and other fearners, let's say within the firm, or can um, staff in the company, um, are trained in their job, and so you, you can show the the patent office actually no, there's a, a huge amount of training involved. So the person involved who on this occasion made an error is highly trained. They've been through all of these processes, and they normally do this stuff in every single day, you know, without even thinking about it. So. I mean, imagine you've you've managed to get eighty percent of the way there, and you've persuaded the office that that you've got a Rolls Royce system in place. I mean, what kind of what kind of unusual events, uh, things that went wrong, are, are patent offices receptive to? I think you said, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be an earthquake, but what what sorts of things have you come across? Oh, um, over the years, there've been all, all sorts of, um, you know, um, and and if you think about it, it's it's not. Um, you know, some people think, oh yes, you know, patent restoration is all about making up some story, and 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 they've got to like you know swallow it, you know, at the office, and then you then you're home dry. But first of all, you know, obviously everything you say is is it totally has to be the truth anyway. That's that, that's that's a given. Mm-hmm. Um, and but basically, one of the things to to realise, and it's not so surprising if you think about it, that um, you know, this, this is normally a very rare occurrence, and and the fact that it has happened. Generally, just and just logically, it stands to reason that there most likely is some reason behind it. Mm. Um, but quite often, when you ask people, you know, oh yes, you know, um, on on this particular day, and normally it's like a year or so after, you know, the mistake was made, you know, if, if you know, and you're saying, well, um, you know, on this particular day, can you remember anything out of the ordinary? And if you're if you're if you're like me anyway, I can't remember what I did last Tuesday. Let, let I can't alone remember a year yesterday. Ago. So. 
<laughs> so, um, but basically, what we you know there are there are certain ways of um, getting people's minds in the right space, and you can say, well, how about we have a look at your Outlook diary on that particular day, um, or your personal diary if you have one, um, or you know look at some emails that may have come in on that day, um, or or telephone calls, that sort of thing. And and quite often you you'd be really surprised. Um, you know, quite often people, you know, it, it turns out they say, yeah, actually, oh yes, my 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 husband was actually taken to hospital that day, or you know, my, my you know my my son or daughter um, was was yeah was having some hospital procedure around about then, or you know so, something or the other that's taken their mm-hmm. mind away, you know, from their normal um, work activities, and in in a sense they've they, they've brought the outside world, their outside life, into their work life. Um, yeah, but there have been all sorts of um, quite dramatic situations. Some of them have been very sad, which I won't go into. People have been quite ill in all sorts of ways. Um, but some of them have been quite quite positive, wonderful stories, really. Um, so what's, what's your favorite? <laughs> I, I think probably um, there was a, a records clerk in a firm, and she was, was halfway through. Put, I think the, 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 the deadline that had been missed, I think, I think this wasn't actually an, an annuity one. They'd missed the PCT. Um, filing date and basically um, she was putting together a, a docketing um, list of upcoming PCT deadlines and basically halfway through um, putting the list together she went into labor oh, um, she, she was I think this was like um, seven and a half months pregnant or seven months pregnant um, and, and she was whisked off to hospital and she gave birth to a, a, new, a newborn baby prematurely so um, but yeah so, we, so we, we used all of that evidence why, why wouldn't you we had hospital certificates and all sorts of stuff. So I think even the most hard-hearted patent <laughs> office can't argue with a, a newborn bouncing baby girl, can they? No, I think once you've put evidence of that nature in there, they're going to have to <laughs> they're going to have to restore the patent. Yeah, assuming I mean, you've yeah. proven that you've got that good system in place. Um, exactly, exactly. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a really good point to remember. Um, but there there have been other ones too. I think um, some of the most rewarding ones are where um, individuals who are coming towards the end of their career. And they've never made a mistake in their life, whether it's a paralegal or, or, or a senior attorney. Um, and then something something silly happened on a particular day. Um, and you've managed to kind of um, get the rights back. So they're, they're going back to having a, a total clean clean slate again. They've been very rewarding. And yeah. also some companies, small small startup companies, where the patents really are their crown jewels and, and they, and they attra- attract investors and all that sort of stuff. We've had situations where small companies have lost all of their patents in Europe, um, but we've managed, managed to get 90% of them back. And, and that small, these, this small biotech company in this particular case um, got back on track. They've now got you know several, several more series um, of kind of our investment rounds in the bag. And they've now employed, I think, um, twice as many employees as they had before that restoration episode. So you can actually rescue companies. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, it kind of makes me realise what a high stakes game it is. But as you say, how rewarding if you can, if you can manage to, to rescue people in that situation. I suppose I have one last question, which I can't not ask in uh, in today's world, and that is, <laughs> we haven't mentioned the dreaded COVID pandemic yet. Uh, has that? I mean, have you seen any evidence that that's causing issues? Or, or I suppose a better question would be: Have people tried to rely on that as a reason for patents being allowed to drop? Yes, um, there have been instances where people have relied on it. Um, I think um, the, the the value of you know of of the, of the COVID reason, um, you know, in, in the restoration scenario, in the restoration scenario, is basically um, 
you know, mainly um, if um, certain acts had or hadn't been done, uh, mistakes you know had been made around about the time of the onset of the pandemic, mm. um, when everything you know everything was being reshuffled by, by everyone really suddenly, and working practices you know w- w- were changed at short notice, and everybody working from home. Yeah. Um, but after after things settled down, I think um, going back to the all, all due care requirement, um, you know, people would be expected, and and companies and firms would be expected to have new systems in place to deal with that. Um, so I think you can rely on it, but only up to a point, and mainly for the early days. No, that that makes sense, and I suppose it's common to a lot of our experiences that initially we were pretty, uh, you know, we a company we'd ordered some clothes from or something said we were having supply issues because of covid in early days you sort of think fine you know that's that's to be expected i'm not gonna (laughs) throw a throw a hissy fit as a customer but you know a year and a half later people using the covid excuse it's worn a bit thin so i guess it's the same yeah yeah. i I think one way um you know where you might be able to um one one way in which you might be able to still use it even further down the line um so you know and, and deeper into the pandemic um, it's a situation where, okay, it's not so much a, um, a systemic issue. Um, you know, the, the firm or the company in question mm. has sorted out all the working from home stuff. Um, but the individual involved, um, they, they just, they, they, they miss their colleagues and they miss being able to just turn around and ask a question from the person next to them. Yeah. So, and, and, and that, and that can be quite understandable as a, but I think if you, you know, you can use that in conjunction with some other reasons, perhaps, yeah, because I think the personal effects of the pandemic um, are still are still ongoing in many ways. I think, and and people do people do miss their colleagues, don't they? There's that, and I mean, you know, that there are plenty of people still getting ill from it, or, or you yeah, know, we're yeah. still having relatives die from it. So that that's a kind of ongoing situation for a lot of people, unfortunately. So yeah, I can see how, um, but but as you say, the systemic sort of that the firm. That the, the systems broke down because of the pandemic, uh, as you say, it's a early early days kind of uh, reason. Well, look, Simon, thank you so much for such an enlightening and and may I say entertaining review, thanks to Fairy Tale of New York, um, of this uh, crucial and sensitive area of IP law. I hope our listeners have enjoyed the discussion as much as I have. As ever, thank you all for joining us and we look forward to welcoming you back for another episode of Cartmels in Conversation very soon. Mm-hmm.